Hey, we are beginning a new series entitled The Calling, where the call of Jesus invites us to the next step of commitment. And Easter is three weeks away, and Easter is the celebration of Jesus' resurrection, which means that we believe that Jesus is not dead but alive, and through the Holy Spirit, he is still active in the world, and he is actively calling us to faith. Jesus invites us to believe, to follow, and to proclaim. And in Jesus' day, he received various responses to his call. Some believed, and some didn't. Some followed, and some didn't. And some proclaimed, and some didn't. But Jesus is calling us to believe, follow, and proclaim. And the question for us is, how will we we respond? This morning we are going to listen for the call to believe. We've asked Lance Cloud to read scripture for us this morning, and so Lance, if you can make your way up to the podium. As he does, I'm going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. And we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us of where scripture is to be in our lives. And so, Lance, whenever you are ready, please read from John chapter 11. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Lance, thank you very much. You may be seated. And this series is entitled The Calling, and a call to believe means that belief in Jesus begins with a call from Jesus. Faith in Jesus always begins with a call from him, a call from him to believe in him. In verses 25-26 of the passage, we just heard says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's an excellent question. If you believe in Jesus, you will will live even though you die. 
Do you believe it? It's not just a question, but it's also a challenge to believe. It's a call to believe. And it's not just a call to believe in Jesus' teachings or miracles, but it's a call to believe in him. Over and over and over again, Jesus challenges people to believe in him. Sometimes the challenge is direct, and sometimes it's indirect. But Jesus challenges people to believe in him, and he continues to do that to this very day. Again, but we see it in Scripture. To Nicodemus, when Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or to the crowd after the feeding of the 5,000, they asked him, What must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. He goes on to tell them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And he continues saying, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At the Feast of Tabernacles, which, along with Passover and Pentecost, was one of the three great Jewish festivals, and at that festival, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. To the man born blind that Jesus healed, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? To a crowd in Jerusalem, Jesus cries out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. To his disciples, he said, Do not, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Over and over and over again, Jesus challenges people to believe in him. And again, and he continues to do it to this day. If you believe in Jesus, you will live even though you die. You will not perish, but have eternal life. He will raise you up in the last day. Do you believe this? That's not just a question. It's a challenge. It's a call from Jesus. Belief in Jesus begins with a call from him. But belief in Jesus also focuses on the core of Jesus' identity. It focuses on the core of Jesus' identity. See, belief in Jesus isn't just acknowledging that he was a good teacher, although he was, and his teachings matter. Belief in Jesus isn't just agreeing that he was a good man, although he was, and we are called to imitate him. Belief in Jesus isn't, believing in, isn't simply believing in the power of his miracles, although he continues to have the power to do them. But Martha declares what she believes about Jesus. When she says in verse 27, Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you 
are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. As I said a couple of messages ago, our culture sees Jesus as primarily a good teacher who wanted us to love everybody. But that's a lot different from Martha's declaration. When she says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, Jesus was a good teacher who wanted us to love everyone, but that's not the core of his identity. And a key moment in Jesus' ministry where he asks an important question to his disciples, he says, who do the people say that I am? We read about this in Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of of the living God. And just like today, people had their opinions on who Jesus was. Maybe he's John the Baptist. Maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's Jeremiah. Maybe he's one of the prophets we've heard about. But Jesus always makes it personal. Who do you say that I am? Who do you believe Jesus is? Is he simply a good teacher, someone to be admired? Or is he what Colossians 1 describes? When it says the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus, the only eternal Son of God, the Son of God who was and is and is to come, the Son of God who became human and lived among us, who died on the cross for our sins, so that our sins, our evil desires, our evil actions, may no longer rule over us. And Jesus clarifies something about his death. He says in John chapter 10, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus's life wasn't taken from him. Jesus laid down his life so that we can be free to live the way that God designed us to live. 
And death is not the end of us. It's the end of our sin. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we have the hope of the resurrection. Do you believe this? Belief in Jesus places confidence in Jesus. Now, the New Testament, many of you know, was originally written in Greek, the Greek language. And the Greek word that we translate believe is a word called pistis. And that word means to put one's trust or confidence in. We see it in Martha in verse 21 where she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, she had the confidence in Jesus that he could actually do something. And because she believed Jesus could actually do something, she was disappointed when he didn't arrive in time. You see, faith is not just a set of facts that we agree with. Faith is a pursuit. Faith is a pursuit of something we believe in. Now, I've been told that eating healthy and regular exercise is good for you. Anyone hear this? Okay. Yeah, it's a rumor going around. I think it's conspiracy. Not sure. But you know something? I believe that. Okay, I believe it. At least it makes sense to me, I should say. You know, I believe the research behind it. Um, so I agree, okay, that eating healthy and regular exercise is good for you. Well, at least in my mind, <laughs> I agree with it. Okay. But I really can't say that I believe it, believe it, because I don't do it, okay? I don't pursue it. I don't actively pursue eating healthy and regular exercise. Now, should you do those things? Yes, you should do those things. Notice I said you and not I. Just want to point that out, okay? But hey, look, eating healthy and regular exercise, do people realize that it's March Madness this week? March Madness begins this week the national championship basketball tournament, you know, where you pick brackets and go crazy over teams that you haven't heard of the rest of the season, okay? March Madness, it's this week. Eat healthy and get plenty of exercise. There are literally 34 men's college basketball games on this week, 34. That's a lot of TV I gotta watch. <laughs> Eat healthy and get plenty of exercise how about this? How about I eat potato chips and pizza and watch people get exercise? Does that count? Is that good enough? Thank you. Okay. I'll take it as I can do that. I'll use that on my wife. Somebody said it was okay. Hey, look, Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, it's about both our mouths and our hearts. Our mouths declare our faith, and our hearts drive us to pursue it. We're familiar with the phrase, put your heart into it, or my heart just wasn't in it. Faith is the pursuit of of what we believe, and it's what we put our hearts into. Belief places our confidence in Jesus. And belief in Jesus converts death 
into life. It converts death into life. This is a story about death. Lazarus has died, and Jesus didn't get there in time to heal him. As it, said in ver- as it says in verses 17 and 19, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in, their time, uh, in the time of loss of their brother. The significance of four days is that it was a common belief in that culture that the soul remained near the body for three days after death in the hopes of being able to return to it. But by the fourth day, there would be no hope for Lazarus to come back. Death is the ultimate experience of loss. And there are lots of ways that we experience death in our lives. We can lose in a lot of ways. We can lose relationally, whether it's with friends or family. We can lose vocationally, whether it's a job or a promotion that we didn't get or our career that comes to an end. We can lose physically through illness, disease, death. And you see, what all of these losses, what they cost us, why they are so painful is because they do something to our future. When we lose, whether it's relationally or vocationally or physically, we lose some hope. Or a dream comes to an end. Some goal we had is not going to be realized. And when we lose, when our hopes are dashed, when dreams die, what we need is we need to be assured in those times of loss that our futures are still and can still be good. We need to know that. We need to have that assurance that in the middle of our loss, in the middle of our disappointment, that it's not the end of our future. And Jesus gives us that assurance. Here's the rest of the Lazarus story in John chapter 11, where it says, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let them go. Belief in Jesus, it converts death into life, and not even death can take away the hope that Jesus brings. Romans 8 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, it's not good when we suffer loss. And Romans 8 isn't saying that when we suffer loss, that that is good. What Romans 8 is saying is that God makes all things work out for the good, for the good of those who love him, for the good of those who have been called. And this includes our suffering. 
that no matter what will happen or no matter what has already happened, God is calling you to believe that Jesus transforms our futures. No matter what happens, however you lose, whenever you lose, whatever you lose, Jesus gives us the hope that our futures are still good and even death itself will not keep you down. And I mean that literally. Even death itself will not keep you down. Jesus converts death into life. And we're alive no matter what happens. Our futures can still be good. But the call is to believe in Jesus. Whereas John says towards the end of his gospel, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. How will we respond? Do you believe this? We're going to pray. And in the prayer, I'm going to pause and I'm going to give you a chance to believe. And if in this prayer you pray to believe, I really want you to come up and talk to me after the service is done. I'll be right over here. Maybe for some of you, you've believed in Jesus for a while, but maybe you haven't been pursuing faith in Jesus. Maybe you want to put your heart back into your faith in Jesus. And I want to give you a chance during this prayer time to do that as well. But Jesus is calling for us to believe. How are we going to respond? Please pray with me. Lord, I ask that if anyone here is listening and hears your call to believe, that you would give them the strength and encouragement to do that in this very moment. Lord, that they would say to you right now that Jesus is Lord, and I believe that God raised him from the dead, and I want him to be the Lord of my life. And Lord, for those here who maybe need to put their heart back into their faith, I ask that you would encourage them to commit to doing that now. Lord, we thank you that whether we've believed for 30 seconds or 30 years, that our sins have been forgiven and that you work out all things for our good. And it's in the name of Jesus in whom we have life. It's in his name we pray. Amen.